LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. Now, Derek... It's just sort of crept into your language. You've just called me tool a couple of times because I've got a toolbox, and I just don't think that's very nice. No, I haven't said that, Scott. No, that's what happens with age, mate. You hear things, so uh, <laughs> I would not say something like that. No. I, I'm getting a lot of good fan mail about the toolbox and how helpful it is just to have some three simple ministry yep. tools. From email addresses that don't have Sanders in the, <laughs> in the title. That's good. That, this is, that is a key part of what we're doing here. It's good. Now, the one thing is brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. And we are delighted to have you listening in. You've pressed play on a great episode where we're hearing from Craig Tucker. You need to change. Now, Craig, you're just, uh, we've introduced you in a previous episode, but, you know. Uh, thanks for having me back. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Amaz- yeah, an amazing all, experience. All those things it? you said about, well, it's never having that guy back again. <laughs> yes. You've gone back on your word. Yeah, <laughs> with short memories. <laughs> that you, it's not all um, work with you. You uh, you ref rugby, don't you? Uh, I'm, uh, so I used to ref rugby at a reason, reasonable level. Yeah. I'm now pretty old and fat and slow and, yeah, I go around in the suburban competition refereeing rugby union, yeah. Can you describe for all our US li- listeners mm. what rugby is? Oh, it's a proper proper football. Yep. Yeah, so it's, um, uh, yeah, there's no, you don't have helmets, uh, very little padding and, uh, yeah, you just take the ball and uh, try and get up the other end. It doesn't stop every 10 yards or every two minutes for a timeout. Yeah, it keeps going for 40 minutes of action. Yep. Uh, can you just uh, give us your home address as well now? You probably have a few uh, <laughs> visitors to that as well. Yeah, anyway, we're, we're glad to have you back. So you're, you're talking about um, mm. uh, we're going to talk today about you need to change, what it is mm. that leaders need to do as they lead churches through uh, barriers. Can you just to set up this conversation? Um, we've spoken about growth barriers before. Mm. Um, what are the barriers that you you've seen uh, and you kind of mm. think about in your head? Sure. Yeah. So I guess the main growth units is we talked before about the one twenty barrier. That's that barrier where under one twenty you can come to church and kind of think you know everyone. Uh, it's usually a bit of an illusion. I reckon once you get over about. 30, 25, 30, you can't really know everyone, but you kind of feel like you do. And over 120, it just completely changes. And that, as we've talked before, changes how people in the congregation experience church and feel about it and how leadership needs to work as well. I guess the the other units that are worth thinking about is um, 5 and 30 would be uh, the key ones. Um, I think we, um, we're we all socialised. We all know what it's like to function in a group under 30 because we spent 12 years in the classroom. Mm. So you know what it's like to, in a group of you know, 20, 25, 30, what works, how to lead a group like that. You've seen someone do it, how to function in a group like that, what the norms are. And you kind of know that over 30, the things that work in the classroom, for example, don't work at the school assembly. So it's one thing to be asked to read aloud in the class in the group of 30, but if you have to do something up the up front of the assembly, maybe a 1,000 kids, it's a whole different deal. Mm. 
And you know that how teachers get control in the classroom is different than what it's like in the group of a thousand. Mm. If you hear your name called out in the classroom, you, know, you want to sort of pay attention. But if you hear your name called out at the assembly, a thousand, yeah, the you know, stakes are a whole lot higher. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So um, how things work, I think um, how things work in a group uh, up to 30 change and then up to 120 change again. And the other group I think it's worth thinking about is is the group of five. Mm-hmm. Again, We've, especially in the Australian context or maybe in Western contexts, we're socialised in how to function a group up to five by the car. We all know that our best conversations have happened when we've been driving in the car with people, in our family or whatever it is. Mm. And we know how those conversations and how the dynamics of that work and the whole way that turn-taking and decisions get made in the car are different to the classroom are different to the group of 120. Mm. And so really important groups to think about. So when you think about leadership, um, a group of leaders up to five can function in a certain kind of organic, less structured way. But once your leadership group, maybe it's your small group leaders, your key coordinators, that kind of thing, when that group gets over five, suddenly you need a whole lot more structure in place uh, you need to do things differently. And particularly as a leader, when your small group leaders are under five, you need to know each of your group leaders. You need to know how they're going and how their group's going. But over five, they need to you need to invest time and give time for them to know each other and connect with each other uh, because it's not enough for them just to know you, but as a, a group, they need to start having those kind of connections. And... If you make decisions, how it works in a group of five, suddenly, once it gets over five, the complexity, the length of time takes Mm. longer. Mm. And if you don't start to restructure things, your leadership team meetings will go longer. Your decision-making processes will just not not just be more complicated. You won't actually make as good decisions. And you'll either become too autocratic or too democratic, and there'll be problems at either end. And so once your leadership gets over five, you need to extract a, an executive, if you like, a group above that. And so always be thinking in whether it's your leadership, your small group structure, how you coordinate Sundays, how you run your youth group. Is there a group under five at the top level? And then a group probably needs to be under 30 at the next rung. And then a group, as things get really bigger, under 120. And so as, as a church grows, if you think about, you know, being an idea in, in your own head to gathering some key people to that kind of thing, the group of five really matters. But then how you do things with a launch team up to 30 changes and then how you do things with the group up to 120 change. And there are growth barriers down the track after that. And I think they all revolve around how big your leadership is. So you get to 120 and you've got a certain number of leaders. And the thing that will stop you growing is when your inner circle grows more than five mm. and the next group goes more than 20, 25, 30 mm. and so on. And so you need to keep, uh, if you like, growing new levels of leadership on top and, and in different uh, areas of church. And most of the barriers, I think, over 120 are not about the number of people in the congregation, but they're about how you're structuring the leadership levels above that. Mm. Yeah, that's good. 
There's three shifts that I've heard you talk mm. about, and I know Ram Sharan talks about in his book um, that we need to make, and everyone uses slightly different terms for them, but they are essentially, uh, as we push through these barriers, we need to adjust our skills, mm. uh, adjust how we spend our time, and adjust how we spend our values. Now, what we might do, we're going to talk about that in a second to get some examples from you, but we're going to throw over to Scott uh, just for a moment. What's in your toolbox, Scott? So uh, three must-have resources, three things to check out. Um, uh, Craig's talked about the book called The E-Myth by Gerber. He uh, uses the example of making pies uh, to sort of think about the changes that you need to make as a as a leader as you move from making pies for yourself and then running a pie shop. So that's a great book just to think about it, a mm. good secular book. Uh, we've talked about the leadership pipeline, Sharan, Drotter and Noel. That's excellent and there's lots of good online resources around that book as well. And then the final resource is um, a good friend of ours, Ed Stetzer. Uh, his mission group have got a great course on breaking barriers. Uh, so that'll take you through each of the, the barriers uh, and also help you think through what you need to do to make those changes. Excellent. All right, Craig, uh, can we get some examples, just some kind of hard data anecdotes on things that you've, on the three different situations you've had to grapple with these things, skills, time and values. Can you talk us through what some practical things that you have personally grappled with and seen in those areas? Yeah, okay. So um, in the area of skills, the... The thing you need to do as church grows is you need to become someone who moves from being, you know, uh, Craig and 20 helpers running everything to through the process of delegating and training and coaching and understand the difference between those three things. So so we've just been involved. We're 14 months into a new church startup here at Scott's. And um, look, when we started, there was, there was no one here to help. We had a weekend away for our launch team they were all working out whether they wanted to buy into things. And so I, I got a little bit of delegation help with some of them. But, yeah, I felt like I ran the weekend away myself. I booked the site. I did all of the details with that. Um, we had one small group. I ran Bible study. Uh, and then as, as things grow, those kind of things become things, first of all, that you delegate. You and you guys have had other people on here to talk about uh, great podcast resources here at the One Thing on delegation. <laughs> nice, uh, good, so excellent. Listeners need to go back and uh, listen to those. Um, but to delegate well, then you need to train well. You need to say, well, I, I don't need someone to go and do a task for me. I need someone to actually have a role for me. I need to train them how to do that role, how to equip them to be the youth group leader. How do I, I need to train people to be small group leaders? And training is a whole different thing. And again, great resources here at The One Thing on that. And then beyond that, uh, as things get bigger, you not only have to train people to have roles, but you need to train people to lead the people who are in those roles. And if you're going to be the leader of the people who are leading the leaders, uh, you need to main spend most of your time coaching because what you need in that person is not so much a set of skills but they need to be someone who's actually able to build trust and connection and mm. know what's going on and you need to have trust with them. And so what's what becomes more important is not a particular set of skills. There are skills involved, but character mm. and the kind of person they are becomes more important. So training will be mainly around getting the job done and skills, but coaching will be more about changing and the heart and... Um, 
yeah, digging into motivations and how people treat people. Yeah, Craig, mm. you've just you've just gone through you know mm. some of those shifts and those barriers yourself. What, what do you find you know the hardest? Yeah, so personally for me, every time uh, ministry, God might be doing a, a great work in the church plant we're in, but boy, He's doing a big work on me. Mm. So mm. It, I keep being reminded that um, the big things, the the big idols, I guess, in my life are. Comfort and control. So uh, I just want I just want church to run smoothly. I want everyone to get on. I want life to be easy and not difficult. Uh, I like it when people like me. But the reality is uh, churches that the bigger church gets, the more your role as the leader is mm. dealing with conflict. Mm. So if you're leading a large church, then by the time an issue gets to you, it's come through four or five good sets of hands and it's got to you because it was too complicated or too hot or too controversial to be dealt with further down the line. Mm -hmm. And so more and more your whole day is spent dealing with really messy, really chaotic, really difficult things. And if you're someone who desires comfort and control, uh, you're not in your happy place, okay? And so, yeah, so God's really showing me and reminding me that my my goal needs to be a servant who's useful for his kingdom and that will often put me in uncomfortable places, places that where life is, is, is harder and more difficult. So the other thing that will happen that will contribute to that as well is it not just being a large church, if you're in a growing church, so if you're moving from a church, church that's under 30 to a church that's under 120 to a church that's you know over 120 heading towards 400 then change is happening mm. all the time mm. and people who join your church when it's under 30 you know because they I think we talked about in our last podcast that they do that because they they like the idea of being part of a small church where they can make a big difference where they can get to know the pastor and those those things change those things are taken away from them as church grows and so that often uh, that those kind of changes often result in conflict. Uh, people either don't like how church has changed and they hang around and are difficult, or they leave church uh, because it's not what it used to be. And so, not just big churches, but growing churches need leaders who don't don't find conflict, don't go looking for conflict. It'll come looking for you. But aren't running away from it either, mm, mm. and are dealing well uh, with conflict. And so, getting the skills to deal with conflict and complexity and chaos is really important. One of those skills is um, one of the one of the other skills you need with that is is clarity and vision. Mm. Now, every church planner needs to have be able to say, "Here's why we're starting this church. Here's why it matters. Here's why you should be involved." And, uh, you know, when you start, you've got no money, you've got no people, you've got no place to meet. The only thing you can have going for you is a people who unite around the vision. If you don't have that, you've got nothing as a church plan. So church plans need to cast vision. But as church gets bigger and more complex and more difficult, the better you need to get at being clear about what that vision is. Mm. So if you go to large churches... I remember visiting uh, Redeemer Presbyterian in Atlanta. Um, yeah, thousands of people there on a Sunday morning. And you talk with the leaders there, and one of the things they'll often say, they'll say, yeah, um, 
uh, sorry, not Redeemer, it's Perimeter, Perimeter uh, Church in Atlanta. Uh, they'll often say, yeah, Perimeter's not for everyone. This is how we do things. Uh, they've got a very clear vision. They know it won't work for everyone, but they've they've grown. One of the things, many things, it's mean they've grown very effectively. They've reached lots of people for the gospel is um, is that ability to be clearer and clearer with mm. their vision. And I guess more and more, if I can use the word ruthless, about saying actually this idea is a great idea but it doesn't fit with mm. our vision. It doesn't fit with our mission. It will take us off tangent. And to get better and, and wiser, have a better nose for sifting out those issues and picking when the vision's losing clarity or the or you're drifting off the vision really important. I think that's one of that's one of the helpful things that it, that you bring to our team that you're hmm. constantly <laughs> being ruthless with our vision. <laughs> now that brings us to the end of the show. So Craig, what's the one thing people should be taking away when it comes to uh, leading through change? Yeah, what I said before I think is um learn to deal with conflict well. Learn to have great uh, uh, emotional resilience and EQ, uh, learn more about yourself and how you function uh, in conflict situations, what you're good at, what you're not, not good at, and grow as someone who can deal with conflict well. So that's four one things there for yeah. everyone, four one things. <laughs> now, we're part of the Lifeway Leadership <laughs> Podcast Network. We'd encourage you to check out our network page. Can I point you to um, an excellent podcast? It's Rainer on Leadership. Uh, Tom Rainer has over 500 podcasts uh, you can dip into you know, a whole bunch of stuff over a number of years that will really help you think into church uh, and how to lead people uh, really well. Uh, now, thanks for joining us, Craig. Thank you again for joining mm, us. Pleasure. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, the one thing coming again soon. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Anna. Chat soon. Chat soon.